I'm wondering what your introduction to meatloaf was, because I'm thinking that in the 70s or even early 80s, the introduction to meatloaf was a lot about getting into a car or seeing someone's cassette collection. And there would be a thing on it that and it was always white with red lettering because of of the, you know, the the record label. And it said meatloaf. And that would immediately draw your attention. You think, what is this? And then it was unlike anything you'd ever heard. Yeah, that's it. it I, I'm not shocked by the outpouring of emotion about him, but it's absolutely everything you described. And I think I didn't start listening to Top 40 Radio until maybe like spring of 81. And that hit, that whole album was three years previous. So that felt like older music. But I always think of this like when you started going to people's houses, like friends would have you over and everybody had a VCR. And if you you see like a stack of movies and you'd go over and you knew there'd be movies that you'd see, like you knew your friend, if you went over to his house and you're 14, he'd have Raiders of the Lost Ark or he'd have Top Gun or he'd have uh, a lot of the Terminator or Commando, a lot of the Schwarzenegger Stallone movies. Um, but if you did that with an album and it was records or tapes, just like you said, I remember going over to a friend's house in sixth grade and you go through the records and it did occur to me like that album, probably along with like, like everybody, everybody's older brother had hotel California. Everybody's older brother had Fleetwood Max rumors, but that would almost be the third or fourth album. Like if you, if you would, could wager somewhere, I'm going to my friend's house. He's got an older brother or a sister. There's five albums in their collection name. Like that would be the one, Mike, that's exactly as, as you put it. And, uh, and it just, it just still leaps off the page. And for the whole next decade, like you and I are really kids of the eighties, not the seventies. Um, it, there wasn't anything from meatloaf. It was just, you'd heard those same three songs on the radio over and over again, but no one dismissed it as like, well, that's a one hit wonder. Or that's, that's so kitschy. Like meatloaf hung in despite putting out a bunch of new albums that never went anywhere and weren't successful all the way until he had his Renaissance in, in 93. And, it was just those three or four songs, but they they hung in there and you recognize them instantly in the first five seconds when you'd hear them. And they are so different. I mean, right now, can we say anyone has ever sounded like or will sound like to the point that you actually have success? Meatloaf? I mean, to make it in the 70s in the disco era or, you know, the the rock era, he wasn't he. How do you even describe what his music is? Yeah, I looked it up. It doesn't feel classic rock. There's not a lot of pound. It's very operatic. I guess we could say it's a little like it, when people hear Bohemian Rhapsody, they're like, OK, well, I recognize that because it's Queen and it's Wayne's World and all that stuff. But Bohemian Rhapsody doesn't sound like a lot of other Queen songs that are. It doesn't sound like another one bites the dust and it doesn't sound like Under Pressure or Radio Gaga or anything. The meatloaf sound like and Jim Steinman just died last year, who's the producer. And I won't get too uh, music geeky on you, but he did a lot of he would have done Bonnie Tyler's total eclipse of the heart. So you can hear how that sounds like meatloaf or the whole holding out for a hero. When Kevin Bacon's driving the tractor in Footloose stubs, you know what I'm talking about, uh, trying to draw the attraction of the much taller Lori Singer. And again, you know, everybody's got their thing. But um, but uh, but those songs, there's a movie called Streets of Fire. It's it did terribly in the summer of 84, but it's got two songs on it by um, a group that Jim Steinman put together called Fire Incorporated. And if you play them, 
it sounds like meatloaf, but it's just it's not meatloaf. So it had a really distinct sound, but you're right. And the the album, I was shocked this morning looking it up for um, for my show is the album never got past number 14 on the charts. And the other albums I mentioned, right, Hotel California Rumors, those were smash chart hits that had song after song after song after song on the radio. This one had three songs, never got past number 14, and it still sold 25 million albums worldwide. So that's more about longevity than it was. It wasn't on fire in the moment. It just held for like 15, 16 years in pop culture. It's amazing. Greg Brady, host of Toronto Today on 640 Toronto. Let's kind of look at how radio worked then, because the idea that it got radio play at all, Paradise by the Dashboard Light, radio was looking for three-and-a-half-minute songs, four-minute songs. You get into four-and-a-half minutes, and you had people saying, ah, might need a payola to put that one on. I mean, is it is it strange that it got any airplay at all? It is, yeah. It's probably the longest song. The more you mention it, um, it's one of the longest songs I think that ever got on to, to top 40 radio. Cause, cause nobody called it classic rock. Then we do that now, but I don't think I even heard the term classic rock till like 1993, maybe 94. And that was meant to be stuff from the seventies and eighties. Our friend, my friends down the hallway here at, uh, at Q107, they they've even shifted from classic rock to where, Oh, we'll play an older song like that, but then you're going to hear the killers and then you're going to hear, you know, something that's that's newer from Brian Adams. Well, when we grew up, that stuff, that stuff wasn't classic rock. This is vintage meat and potatoes, classic rock. And what Paradise by the Dashboard Light is eight and a half minutes. And yeah, that's not what radio wanted. There's a big reason Stairway to Heaven was never released as a single. It's too long. It's too long and it doesn't it doesn't go anywhere <laughs> and it doesn't have a it doesn't have a big chorus and it doesn't work for radio. So Led Zeppelin have had hit singles, but that sure wasn't one of them. And Meatloaf wasn't much different. And there's seven songs on his debut album and they're 46 minutes in length. Like a lot of your listeners might really be Rush fans. Um, and Rush is a little, little like that. Also, they had to edit down a lot of their singles just to get, you know, closer to the heart or Tom Sawyer on the radio because so many of their tracks on their albums are like eight, nine minutes long. And DJs are like, there's no time for me to talk. And there's no time for commercials. Now, you and I could use an eight-minute song once in a while. Who's kidding who? But um, but that's not the format, so we're stuck. You mentioned earlier that he was known for not just his music, but for being him. Is it is it that he didn't necessarily fit the cutout of a rock star? His music didn't fit the, the cutout of... What was being played? Was that our fascination with him? What do you think it was? I think that's it. I think I think he doesn't fit into either category of a lot of the bands of that time and probably the 80s, too, where either, you know, guys want to be him or women just want him, period. And sometimes that works in a band with, you know, guys are really fascinated by Keith Richards. Women, the women are watching Mick Jagger. So he doesn't fit either of those categories. He doesn't play an instrument. You're not going to hear a guitar solo. He doesn't sit down to the piano and uh, and pull something off. So he's nowhere in the in, you know, he's 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 not Prince who can do everything at all times and could be considered the best of everything in in any context. But, yeah, the personality, you know, you think about never mind pre-internet and pre-social media. He was just he was just pre-access. So unless somebody sat down on The Tonight Show. Or you, you know, you heard a radio interview and I'm, you didn't know much about him. So I think the whole mystery of 
who is this guy? Why does he sound like this? I mean, I think we, I mentioned Queen earlier. I think we had that a little bit with Freddie Mercury, which is why everything that happened with Freddie Mercury, you know, post his, his HIV diagnosis that gets documented in Bohemian Rhapsody made him more famous afterwards because people didn't know anything about him, let alone know he was gay. And it's amazing as well, because you and I would have been in university when he, when he just sort of roars back onto the scene in 93 and he's got a beautifully cut video that's sort of, it's like Phantom of the Opera for I'll do anything for love, but I won't do that. And it's, it's, it's nine, same thing, man, nine minutes long, much music's playing it. MTV's playing it. They don't want videos that long, but it's meatloaf. So you make an exception. And I remember going to a concert, not for him, but with a girl once. And, and uh, I think it was going to see Madonna and the song comes on the radio. And she's like, this is amazing because her older cousin introduced her to meatloaf. And she's like, now meatloaf's back for sort of our generation. And I thought that was kind of a silly thing to say at the time, but she was right. And, um, and yet it's still like, probably that's the only, that was sort of the last gasp of his being on the radio with new songs. But I've heard, I probably heard I'll do anything for love, but I won't do that. I probably heard it. You know, I hear it two, three times a year, no matter how much I'm flipping around on the radio on terrestrial radio on Sirius or whatever. So the stuff has staying power. It can't be denied. Absolutely. And he's had some tragic parts to his life. He's overcome a whole lot. And now in passing away, he is going to be remembered for so many different things. And it's been great chatting with you about him. Greg, thanks for this. Anytime, Mike.